Hi, welcome to Ask a Pastor. Today I'm joined by uh, three of the ladies who served on part of our staff here at Orchard Hill. Emily Roberts, Kay Warheit, Emily D'Angelo, welcome. And today we're going to tackle an issue that is um, um, in some ways hard, in other ways it is um, uh, something that's been going on for a long time, maybe is not as hard for some people. But we're going to talk about um, women's roles in the church specifically. And here's, a, some of you have asked this question, have asked the question about where does Orchard Hill stand on it? Um, how or why is certain uh, beliefs, are certain beliefs held? And, uh, and so we're going to talk about the idea of complementary views. So complementarianism is the idea that men and women were created in the image of God, created equal in the image of God, but given different roles by gender. And we did a podcast that uh, should be out uh, last week that was on gender roles in marriage. And gender roles in marriage, gender roles in church tend to be similar because there's a movement uh, among many today to say, let's flatten all gender distinctions. And, and this goes on certainly in the broader culture and in the church. And for some, this becomes an issue that, that goes to transgenderism, goes to homosexual orientation, and goes to any kind of gender role. And in a way, all of those are, are related to the same conversation, and that is, did God make men different and women different, or did God just create us um, 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 biologically different, but there's no other distinction between men and women? And, and so the, the complementarian view says that God did create men and women with some distinction and that those distinctions are um, evidenced in some ways in marriage and in some ways in the church. And so one of the passages that, that is most often cited is 1 Timothy 2. And certainly uh, we can get into specific passages and people will argue about different passages in different ways. But... Um, but 1 Timothy 2 uh, has the very clear statement um, about this. It says, um, this then is the gospel for which I am suffering. I'm in 2 Timothy 2. It would help if I'm in 1 Timothy 2. I was like, why does that not look right? Um, a woman, this is verse 11 and following, should learn in quietness and full submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or assume authority over a man. She must be quiet. Now he's talking about the context of the church here, so it's not talking about anywhere else. For Adam was formed first, then Eve, tying it to created order, not just to the culture. Um, so this isn't just something where he's saying um, this is just for this culture. He goes to culture here. And then Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. But women will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith, love, holiness, and propriety. Um, so challenging verses. Uh, some churches uh, say that's just cultural uh, and then kind of go to the let's flatten all of the, the kind of gender distinctions. Other churches in Orchard Hill would be among them say there is some distinction in role between men and women. And how we play that out is different and we can talk about that if that's important. But my question uh, for all of you is, so how do you deal with a passage like 1 Timothy 2 that seems to indicate that there's some distinction rooted in created order, not just in culture, that says there's something to, to men taking the lead in the church environment, um, which at a minimum seems like that's what that passage is saying. So, so how do you respond to that biblically? How do you respond to that personally? Well, <laughs> I have, um, I really struggle, I really struggle with this, honestly. Um, 
I have not experienced, you know, a, a personal um, call myself to pastoral ministry, but I have female friends who have, and so um, I really, I really wrestle with this, and it, and it leads me to say, well, God, what? What in the, how does this harm, you know, kingdom work if a woman is a pastor? How, how does that get in the way and why is this God's design? And because, you know, it's, I, I struggle. I struggle, honestly, you know, and obviously I am a woman in ministry, in children's ministry here at Orchard Hill. And my gifts, I feel like are are really able to be used here. In fact, I've grown, I've been, um, you know, encouraged um, to keep doing what I'm doing, but my role is not pastoral ministry. And so, um, or even that, you know, obviously of an elder. <laughs> so I'm wrestling, I'm wrestling, I'm wrestling with this. Well, and I, I have always wrestled with it um, in that, you you don't you don't want women in charge of men but you send women missionaries to be in charge of men and i could never quite figure out what the difference was and i i felt called to ministry at a very young age but was told women weren't pastors but that was when at a time when there were no roles in the church women headed up the bake sales or women decorated and i felt um I really felt called to ministry, and so I pushed it aside. And then it came out later when I came back to church in my 20s and was asked to teach. And as I said, I found, I found Christ through the women of the Bible. I found uh, the Shunammite lady who loved to, uh, had the gift of hospitality, and she reached out to the prophet Elijah. And I found Deborah, who was asked to lead, but she said as long as a man comes alongside me. There was wisdom, there was an understanding of gender differences um, and your gifts, not I need to be somebody in order to be a pastor. Wherever God calls me, and I absolutely love, um, do, I, do I consider that I have a pastoral role? Absolutely. Do I want to stand up in front of men and teach them? No. I, I think, uh, I, I just, I see the wisdom in that and I understand. Now, if I'm asked to speak, I will, but it wouldn't be um, an ongoing, you need to hear what I have to say. I want that male authority. And again, I, I go to Jesus, pick 12 or chose 12 disciples, but women were very much involved with their gifts in his ministry. In fact, the first woman to find out who he was, was a woman at the well, because women love to talk and share and spread the news. The first woman to realize he was resurrected, you know, or the first person was a woman. What a blessing it is to be a woman in the church. And again, it has to be a healthy understanding <clears throat> of your role and not, I need a title. I need to have this after my name or before my name. That has nothing to do when you truly realize how short life is. And if God calls you to ministry, whatever that role is, he will let you come alongside, enrich, and grow yourself, as you said. Um, I, I truly am grateful that I am not a title pastor because that is a responsibility, um, but I feel I don't have any less respect, any less need, any less purpose. 
I would echo that too and, and say that just because um, a woman doesn't have the title as pastor or is teaching um, mixed congregations on a regular basis doesn't mean she doesn't have influence in that Christian community because I think about how when I have one-on-one -on -one mentoring relationship with a woman and we are growing together, her marriage is impacted as much as my life is impacted by that relationship. And so there's this influence that goes out through that woman-to-woman -woman relationship. That um, same thing happens in a, a life group or a Bible study as um, you know, men and women share life together. Everyone is influenced and grows in that situation and there's no need for the woman to um, have a message to, to preach or, or teach on a regular basis. I do think that, I guess what I'm trying to say is we have opportunities to teach and learn together without having to be called the pastor. Right. Well, it, it seems like a lot of times the question becomes, what can't women do? Rather than the positive side of gender distinction and modeling that in the church and for the home. And, and what I mean by that is, is much like the, the conversation about the home that again was the previous podcast. If you focus on here's what this means rather than here's the whole of, of what is being taught and the beauty of what marriage should be, then it becomes an obstacle. But as soon as you say, no, this is about something broader and picturing something. Um, and, and I believe in this why it's important to understand that, that this is really an issue that is at least tied to the flattening of gender. Um, by and large. And what I mean by that is, is saying that there is no, no distinction between men and women. And I think part of the, the, the point, and, and if you ask me, would I have written scripture this way? My answer is no. It would be much easier to say, oh yeah, that's, all, that, that's, that's great because that's in step with our culture. I get that. Um, but just like when I was 16, I didn't understand why the Bible said, wait to have sex till you're married. Um, now that I've been married for a few years, I I'm like, that's good, that, that makes sense. It didn't make sense then. And so sometimes, sometimes we don't understand exactly why something is the way it is, but, but as I've tried to understand it and grapple with it, I think saying that, that there is something to saying we want men to take the responsibility and the weight of, of the leadership part of it is meant to, to mirror and demonstrate that for the home. Um, rather than than just saying there there is no distinction, and that's why, to me, the home and the church are tied in that way, and you can't have one without the other. And if you read through Ephesians five, it is clearly um, there's some references there. And now that, again, we're back to the home, but but where the male responsibility seems to be in provision and protection and in spiritual leadership. Now that doesn't mean that the woman wouldn't be a higher wage earner or shouldn't work or anything like that. I mean, um, I'd love if my wife was the higher wage earner. I mean, I, that'd be fine. Uh, and, uh, and so, I mean, there's no, um, I don't think that's what that's about, but it's saying that, that there's an impulse to say, say there's something right in a young man or a man of any age saying, if I'm married or if I'm in a position of responsibility, I will not shrink from that. And I've, I've said this half in jest, but everyone's a complementarian at some point. And what I mean by this, and you've probably heard me use this analogy, is if you're, you know, if I'm out walking with my wife and a big, you know, horrible dog comes along to attack us, and I say, I'm out of here because I can run faster. It stinks for her. You don't have to be a biblical complementarian to say, that's poor. Like, like if you're a man, stand there and, and, and now, now hear that, though. Even in saying, if you're a man, 
in our culture, they would say, oh, no, 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 no. There, there should be nothing to that. It should be maybe you're bigger and stronger physically, so you should do that, but that's the only reason. But, but so in the church context, the idea is even with, with elders of saying, even though we have men and women on our board, analogous to deacon, deaconesses, so we have male and females together, working together, making decisions. We do have male elders, but part of the idea is who takes the legal responsibility? Who's going to be sued if the church is sued? Who, whose, whose name are on those things? Well, it's men. So, so why is that? In part, it's to model the taking of responsibility, privilege, protecting, saying, saying this is what's behind that. And, and, and that's the idea. So, so, so how do you, if somebody says that still is irrelevant, it's, it's demeaning to women, it, it somehow um, you know, is out of step with our culture, um, I think it's misinterpreted Bible, how do you, how do you deal with those questions? which there were a lot of questions, but wanted you to have lots of space to talk. Well, I, I went to a conference years ago and there was a woman who said, I go to a church where I'm not allowed, no, no women are allowed on the platform, no women read the Bible, uh, no women are allowed you know, to do anything. And I, I felt that the speaker very wisely said to her, find another church, meaning you're not going to change. So to make that your hill to die on. That's what I always say to people. I want to do ministry. I don't want to change what Jesus set up in the Bible. And I do think that, that, that that's a little flip to say to someone. But I think, I think when women make it a point to have the authority, be up front, you've lost the gospel. I, I, I feel that it's about me. Now, again, on the other side, there are churches where that is abused and, you know, the men will do this and the women will bake the cookies. The women can't have any kind of role. I, that's very demeaning and I struggle with that myself. Um, but I think that it, in, it, when you were referencing even in a marriage, um, we all have husbands that support us in ministry and very rarely, I don't think, I can't think of one time that I haven't spoken somewhere or taught that I haven't run it past Matt my husband to say, what's your view on this? And lots of times they'll say, well, I don't get your point. I mean, there, that's a complementarian marriage or a complementary marriage. That's, that's an My approach. wife says that to me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> what were you trying point? to say? Yeah. <laughs> or what? Yeah. But I, I do think that, again, you lose all that uh, when it becomes an issue. It, it's just hard to explain to someone who doesn't have the Lord first and the church becomes outdated, the church becomes archaic. Um, but once you get inside and you understand why that's that way or what it's really about, a creative God who will creatively use your talents, who will creatively bring men and women together in ways that you can't imagine without that God. That, that's just, what are the rules? And it's, the rules are to love God first and then to understand He is a God of order. Um, yeah, I like the, um, Kurt, it was really helpful to hear you articulate the, the comparison to sex before marriage, because we, there, this isn't the only thing in scripture that we say, why, 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 you know, um, and I, I think that nature created order, as you said, um, is really interesting because as much as, um, I struggle with this, you know, I love when my husband gets into protective mode, you know, so if, as women, I think if we 
I think it can be easy to bulk that and say, oh, I don't need that. I can do it or whatever. Um, you know, when we first got married, Matt said, well, I, and this is a silly example, but Matt said, I will have a gun in the home. You know, I'm just giving an example. And I said, oh, I, I don't like guns at all. I'm not used to that. I didn't grow up with guns. And, but to him, it was, if I don't have a way to protect my family, I, and if something ever happens, I will be really crushed that I didn't have a way to protect my family. Silly example, right? I know not everyone. That's a future podcast, by the way. But yes. <laughs> Guns. Stay tuned. Yes, that's right. <laughs> so silly. It's no, a silly that, that's not a silly example. But, because what you're saying is there was something in that that felt right to you. Yeah. To say. And, and I think that is the essence of, of saying in a church environment where you say no distinction between men and women, what you're doing in a sense is you're saying to culture, your values trump what we read in the scripture. Um, and therefore, um, there's nothing to this. And then you're gonna raise a generation of boys and girls who will come along and say, there is no gender distinction. And that's why this issue is tied to the broader gender issues in our culture, because, because they're not separate. If you have a whole generation that grows up and says, there's no distinction, the Bible is just cultural. It's, it, you know, even if, if I don't like it, I can take it out. Um, then, then you have no reason to, to stand on any other issue in the future. Um, now, again, there will be people who will say, well, you shouldn't. And, and historically, if you look, um, and this is interesting to me, um, and again, this comment I know will not be politically correct, but if you look, the denominations that first ordained women are all the ones that are now ordaining homosexuals and ordaining um, transgender. Now, again, some people would say, well, of course, you should. That's biblical. Um, my take would be to say, I think, to ordain somebody who, who clearly um, you know, is not uh, practicing exactly what the scripture teaches, it becomes problematic. And, and so um, now that's not a, that in and of itself is not an argument not to not to do something because that's a projection. But what I'm saying is, is historically you see that move because once you said there is no gender distinction, then there is no gender distinction. And, um, and, and so really the question, the key question is, is there any gender distinction? And if there isn't, then, then you're absolutely right to say, you know, somebody would be absolutely right to say, let's just move ahead. If there's some, then you're going to have some inconsistency in where and how you try to live that out, just like in a marriage. Um, you know, it's a fluid conversation uh, that you say there's some distinction in our, in our way, but, but, but I would rather keep um, um, saying to, to young people in our church and in our society, there's something that God created good about male and female distinction and the way that they live and honor one another. And then the question is, how do you do that in a complimentary way? So, so any other thoughts on that specifically? We've got about three, four minutes left. The, the, I think I've mentioned this before. When I was in my 20s, in my living Bible, I wrote, the holier a woman is, the more she is a woman. And again, it's, it's not an issue of my rights. What do I get to do? But growing close to God and not being a shadow of who he meant for you to be as a woman or as a man. And, and when Jesus said, I am the light, when he shines that light into your soul, when you see the love and the grace, that light helps you to be more of who you are rather than living as a shadow of a person. And I do think as far as gender distinctions, um, 
I think that's why there are young men today that are confused, um, just in turmoil because they're not allowed to be the men, like you said, to say, no, I put my foot down. You're not allowed to have a gun. Well, if that's what he needed, then that, that, that is a woman wouldn't think maybe, maybe not to have a gun because the protection is in a different way for a woman. Um, but, but even to that point, submission does not mean if you were against the gun that you just say, okay. Um, well, that's true. And because if you're really against the gun, then you should have an ongoing conversation right. and challenge and push. And, and why do you have that fear? Why mm -hmm. are you against it? Right. What's, what is your background? Not just this is what it is and that's the way it's going to be. And Matt did listen to me, by the way. <laughs> Don't oh. want to sound like I'm yeah. smearing his name. <laughs> yeah, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> he did listen, but it's also, it was, it was a deep seated need for him that's one way that he feels like he can protect our home yeah. which is interesting you know but mm -hmm. but I'm still still struggling with that one but yeah. yeah well and and there are churches that take different positions and sometimes it becomes enough of an issue for some people that they say this is a matter of conviction and a reason to change a church and we certainly understand that and don't feel like that's a bad choice if that's what somebody makes we do our best to honor uh, the text as best we understand it and say that's how we want to live so in our church we get kind of criticized from both sides uh, we get it from people who say i can't believe that you have women who will sometimes teach in a mixed group uh, i can't believe that you have women on your board i can't believe you know uh, all the women on the ministry team um, and then we'll get it from other people who say uh, how could you have male elders how could you um, and uh, and and i'm comfortable with that because i think I think the scripture is clear that there's some distinction, but it's clear that women and men were both engaged in ministry at a very high level in leadership. And so we wanna be a church that, that practices both of those things. It says there's some distinction. We're not sure we have it perfectly figured out, but we wanna somehow honor that, but we also want to have, have uh, both genders fully present in and ministry. And we're in a church where we can have this discussion. Yeah. It's, not, it's not put down, it's not ignored, it's not stifled. We're free to have this discussion and then to grow right. in that understanding. And there are some issues in the church that you can say, well, we can all just have different positions and not take a functional position. This is one where there has to be a functional position because at the end of the day, you'll either have certain things or you won't. Um, but again, I think it's unfortunate because it focuses our mind on the negative side of it rather than saying right. what's, the, what, what, what's positively being communicated here or what's at stake. So, so well, thank you uh, for taking the time to be here. Thank you for taking the time to make this part of your day. And you can send all your follow-up questions to Kay Warheit at Orchard Hill Church <laughs> or ask a pastor at orchardhillchurch.com and we'll be happy to address them on a coming episode. And well, actually, when I say that, we really are happy to address the actual questions uh, around heart issues. Uh, because we do want to address real things, not just uh, put them to the side. So thanks. Have a great day. Thanks for listening.